firing it up. Do I sound okay? Do I sound good? You sound great. Your your voice comes in like like well, I, I got syrup. I, got the, I love I've it. Got a decent mic. I got a podcaster mic here, so I am. I'm gonna use it. No, I like it. No, I, um, what what is that to your right? Is that some sort of like tinctures? What do you have? It, what is this? This? No, no, no your other right. Your oh, left. sorry, your left, my right. <clears throat> These. No, was... Yeah, I'm in a arts and crafts closet. Basically, like they have like little beads that they like put make characters with doing arts and crafts is nothing to be ashamed of you can come out of the closet well i mean it just that's just what it is it's like a work closet uh it's got a little desk that's why i'm here Uh, i'm not i'm not at home as you can tell because we're we're uh we're zooming it we're zooming in i i am famously one of the number one zoom haters yeah all time but but zoom uh the only option for us i cannot come to where kyle is kyle cannot come to where i am we are separated by my mountains and miles, and what are we going to do? No, we're going to zoom. I'm going to zoom. <laughs> I'm going to make this sacrifice for you, the listener. Well, I appreciate. There's it. just one of you. There's just one of you. So whoever you, Steve, no, I don't know, somebody, whoever's listening, uh, we make this sacrifice for you to talk about um, a movie and the movies. Do you want to talk about the movies first or a movie first? Well, yeah, I I thought we maybe we could like do a, a, a recollection here. Uh, you know, we're a couple days now, two days beyond the Oscars, and we had a you know you we had a party and you know a showing. It was lovely. And, it was a lovely gathering, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was a lovely gathering. Some beautiful people. At some point, um, I thought because uh, I I uh, last year I introduced the idea of trivia, although it was a little messier last year. This year I tried to do it like as a you know something we could do before the ceremony starts. And uh, I felt I was annoying people with the trivia. I, no, no, no. People were enjoying the trivia. People were enjoying the trivia. You're just self-conscious. I am very self-conscious. You're just self-conscious. People were enjoying the trivia. People had fun. I, I thought it was a very convivial and lovely gathering. I'm sorry it's, it took its toll. Oh, just you. being tired. You know, it just, it just takes a lot of effort. It's a, I know. A lot I of effort know. to do the trivia, a lot of effort to make the food, a lot of effort to do the ballots, you know, get the prizes. You know, we, we try and do a full event. You're such a lovely host. I, I described it all <laughs> to you, and my wife, my wife, Sylvia, described you as cute. Oh. Kyle's so cute. Well, I, I I will accept that word. Absolutely. He's so cute. You just, <laughs> you're so committed. You're such a committed host. It was very lovely. It was a lovely gathering, lovely people. Um, Lovely food, uh, a, a very unoffensive uh, un- Oscars. I mean, I yeah, it's all so relaxed, you know. After, after, because I was at your party when the slab happened, and the way that it was dumped, and kind of the way it was perceived in the moment was so strange. It was, it, yeah. It was, was it a technical difficulty with something going on, and then people slowly sort of came around to the fact, like, oh no, some shit went down, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, it was very strange. And then the sort of uh, tension of waiting for Will Smith's inevitable speech, which I thought was deliciously funny, right? <laughs> Everyone knowing that this guy was going to get to get up and win an Oscar for a, you know, uh, I don't know, an okay movie. Yeah, okay um, movie. Yeah. But as like kind of like, I mean, that's the kind of Oscar you win as a kind of tribute to you, yeah. right? Like you in the sense that you've had a great career, you've done a lot for us. You've made us a lot of money. You've made some good shit. Here's an Oscar mm-hmm. for this movie, which is also kind of a feel-good movie, right? Or at least a, I don't know, a movie that was 
uh, speaking to the moment to some yeah. extent. Some Oscars are handed out for yeah career opportunities. Some are handed out for apologies, uh, such as like Brendan Fraser and Kihoe Kwan this year. Like, uh, not that they didn't deserve it, but there was clearly an avenue of like oh, God, I mean, redemption. I mean, like they're like, we're sorry, we're sorry that did, we did this to you. If they didn't give that Oscar to a short round, someone was getting slapped. I I agree. Someone yeah. was getting slapped. That was going to be the closest thing to um a, a riot potential. I feel like as if. <laughs> As if short round didn't uh Kehoe Kwan didn't win the um the Oscar. That seemed to be the most mortal of mortal locks. Although Michelle Yeoh not far behind. Not far I mean, behind. Talk about talk about a career. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you if someone deserves a deserves an Oscar for I mean a career. I was done, one of, yeah. I was one of many people who like, you know, wasn't cool enough to know about her work uh until something like Crouching Tiger came along. But I mean I was I was that came out and I mean substantial like, a lot of people substantial sort of, Hong Kong career, yeah blow your mind like oh shit there's like there's cool movies out there Uh, (laughs) there are i was gonna ask you about this i you know i know that people are reposting these speeches you know brendan fraser has been the the teary-eyed you know he's he's very emotional and this is not to undermine it he's a very earnest person like he's he clearly filled with a lot of gratitude either that was the best faker ever best faker ever i mean then oscar worthy of of that kind of performance but also if this is all just a machiavellian plot he's been launching yeah well then and then with kihue kwan you know he's he's saying thank you to all these people and that thank you to the academy and these and the people around for letting me come back and i don't know there's something haunting about those words i wanted to talk about this just a little bit because their speeches while genuine nice and personally for them very you know representative of their earnestness their graciousness and it, it it's these are the reasons why people win oscars is their stories are really good and they are really good uh n- not only in their performances but that people are like no they they're breaking through they're piercing through their their personality their uh their earnestness comes through and I'm I'm in agreement that that's why they won. It's a combination of of talent and also good story and uh, being earnest. But the underlying idea in their in their speeches that Hollywood can forget you in a snap. Hollywood can forget you in a moment. And the fact that Kiwi Kwan has all these connections, like has had a robust career as as a child actor, and then once he has grown up. Is does this say a lot about the the roles that are given, oh. the position, or, oh, Kyle. or or are people letting are people letting oh, this guy down? Oh, Kyle, I didn't know you were going to take us to such a deep and dark place right away. <laughs> um, the the entertainment uh, Hollywood world is incredibly fucked up. It is, and what and what it means to like want that attention and need that attention and think that like you that's what life's about to dream for decades and decades you know and we live here right we live in hollywood we live in the belly of this glittery um obese postulant beast we live right here right and so we know as i think everyone knows right i mean shit one of your favorite movies last year was blonde i mean come on Mm -hmm. we we know what it's about we know that the vast majority of people won't get a, a tenth of a percentage point of what Kehe Kwan had yeah. prior to the now, right? Forget about, forget about what he's got now, which is an even narrower window, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, how, how many, of how many 
how many members of even SAG are there, which is even a hard thing to do to become a member of SAG, to become an actor who's part of the Screen Actors Guild. How many of them win Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fraction of a percent of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Yeah. Such a small number, right? And everyone is, you know, everyone is crying out for that. And everyone's fantasizing about the moment it happens for them the same way that kids think about making a game-winning shot or hitting a game-winning home run or whatever it is that's in this sort of the deep in your fantasy brain thing that you imagine happening when the stars align and you get the thing that, you know, on this planet of however many 7 billion people, you get to be one of these few people who gets elevated. It's insane. It's insane. You know what I, I didn't know? I'm reading this book, Tokyo Romance by Ian Baruma. Ian Baruma is a writer uh, who spent a decent amount of his, you know, 20s, I guess, in Japan, in Tokyo, and uh, was really into film, studied film, mm. um, wrote about film, uh, has written about a lot of things subsequently, but was fascinated with film in general, Japanese film in particular, went there and uh, had some encounters with Kurosawa, right? Nice. Uh, yeah. Because Kurosawa being, you know, he was there in the 70s, Kurosawa uh, was sort of, was obviously still kicking around for quite a while. Absolutely. And one thing I didn't know, one thing I didn't know is that I think in 71, he said, I, think I could be getting the year wrong, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Kurosawa was getting trouble, having trouble finding his mummies to try to kill himself, try to slit his own wrists. I yep. did not know that about Akira Kurosawa. And, um, and like, this is a guy who you could very conceivably make the case that Akira Kurosawa is the greatest film director of all time. That, plenty, absolutely one of the names. Absolutely. There's, there, yeah, there's, there's other candidates, but he's in the conversation. Absolutely. Say, I, think, I think he's the greatest director ever. Nobody's going to laugh you out of any room, right? You'd be like, yeah, that's, that's a guy you could pick. And uh, so, so he ascended to heights, like all the tiers you could come up with, even to direct a feature film, right? That gets a wide release, right? Then to direct multiples of them, then to get recognized, then to win awards, then to be in this pantheon, right? Uh, these people are fucked up. Yeah. You to, yeah. To, 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 to be, to be, I mean, the movies is just our carny show, right? That's all it is. And the people who are carny, are, you know, they're <laughs> fucked up. They're fucked up in the head, right? That Those are the only people who want to do this shit. It's true. Well, and, 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 and so, yes, there's something when someone is so happy that a bunch of suits and freaks who are the people who actually have the money, like the people who actually have the money and who make the decisions about what gets made are, are you know, I mean, like it's not a surprise that Harvey Weinstein was of their number, right? These yeah. People who are just who are just a menace. Yeah, morally right? in, in, inept. Yeah. The, the the fact that they deign to like let you come out, I mean, it's like it's like the, the one of the Daniels uh, saying talking about his depression and imposter syndrome, right on the stage. It's like it's like the, it, it is. Yes, these people screaming like "Love me, pay attention to me," and it's always. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, who who gives that? Who gives the Oscar speech? Let you actually like um, uh, think? Oh yeah, I respect that, and that was made by like a somewhat well-adjusted person. Uh, Joe Pesci comes. But, to well, mind. but but uh, you, you get <laughs> what the, did he say? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's there's like Alfred four Hitchcock. words, five words. <laughs> I think I think the shortest speech was two words. Was thank you. Uh, yeah, honestly, but but every year we do get some well-adjusted human beings, but they're not in the forefront they're not the people that you want to hear the speech from you have these like kind speeches from people who win best animated short or best uh you know the guys that had them sing for their buddy best cinematography uh james friend who won best cinematography 
I, you know, you could tell as just someone who's appreciative of being up there that, that this is it's not going to necessarily affect his work. And he's appreciative of everyone else around him and, and like the breadth of work that was of this year and that he gets to be part of it, you know, shooting all quiet on the Western Front. Um, which had a surprising, no, not relative. I mean, relatively surprising. I think it won more awards than people thought it was going to be. Talk but about it, successful Oscar campaign! Oh my god, I had no idea that this movie existed. The, the until money was rel- until like weeks ago. The money was in the right places because you uh, starting in January. If you went on like Facebook, if you went on Instagram, you'd start to see plugs. If you're if you're even remotely watching movies or if they're aware that you're invested in movies, you started to see behind the scenes of visual effects, of camera work, of all these things. Please consider this movie. It was insane the marketing campaign and it did very well for them. I mean, they they pulled out cinematography, uh score, uh best international feature. I mean, it's insane what what they walked away with. I- I mean, I just when you think about the movie, this is I. This is all very strange to me how this all pans out, right? Because like, I'm in no position to comment on like the merit, the meritorious, yeah, of sure. Any given a technical award, I mean, I was joking with an actual editor at your party about like, wow, what a, what is, makes a good editor? Like they cut the film straight, like they don't <laughs> cut it like in a jagged line, right? Yeah, you, you tape it up real good. I don't fucking know, right? Like I, I, I don't know well enough to like distinguish between two things that are great like which one's greater that's way beyond my ken sure right so but you think about the technical awards as a way to sprinkle shit to people who like to things that you want to give some shine to but you're not going to give the big awards to right you're not going to give the best picture right so the candidates in my mind are top gun which you know which like uh, steven spielberg says it saved theatrical distribution sure give it some shine I think of Black Panther, give it some shine for all the obvious you know, it, reasons. It's interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading a post-Oscar analysis from some very, I think, unworthy uh, firebrands of like conservative voices you know people are trying to assess the arts you know because i I, you're going to you're going to people being politics filled by movies too you're going to all the it's true it's true but but their assessment of like basically they break it down in very simplistic terms they're in this way it's like top gun was seen by everybody everyone enjoyed it even even the people who are in the awards categories are like no this is an extremely well-made movie you know even roger deakins came out and was like probably the best cinematography is not even up this year and that's in the batman and top gun maverick he's like craft is craft uh you have to recognize it and how did deacon say he's like oh it's cool man i saw those it was cool i mean he said there's a top top gun man he he said there's a snobbery he said there's a snobbery in the category which is true i mean i think there is snobbery snobbery in the in the category of Oscars. Yeah, it's true. But (laughs) let's not, I mean, it's by definition, it's snobbery by giving each other awards for what they think is good work. But I think people need to, are forgetting that everything everywhere all at once, if you're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick saving theaters, you also need to mention everything everywhere all at once. It was the mo- one of the most successful indie releases. It made over a hundred million dollars. Bu- I know that that's just a drop in the bucket of what like top a fraction of what Top Gun Maverick did, but we need more of those kinds of movies to actually save theaters. If we have ten, uh, everything everywhere all at once is spread out rather than one Top Gun Maverick just situated and absorbing everything. Everything everywhere all at once will save theaters if we learn the right lessons from it. 
Which I was going to ask, you know, we have varying opinions on what are the best. Of the, we, I mean, we, we talked about this our, in our year review. I mean, my favorite movies got shut out yesterday, uh, on, uh, yesterday uh, at the Oscars two, a couple days ago. Tar and the Banshees of Inisherin. Shut out completely. Nothing. You know, uh, in, in categories that I thought that they honestly deserved a shot, such as original screenplay for Banshees, such as... Oh, uh, you know, a uh, c- score for Banshees. You know, I honestly think Todd Field might have directed the finest movie, you know, of the year. I think his direction is so controlled, confident, and pristine. But again, the, these get into preferences. It gets into appreciation. And I'm not mad that the Daniels won. And I think that that's good. But do you think we'll learn the right lessons from this? Or if we constantly are focused on the next Top Gun, when the next Everything Everywhere All at Once is not in its in its content, but in its drive, its drive and appreciation to be authentically original. People want that. People want those kinds of movies. Uh, I mean, time will tell if that will, will happen, but do you think that that's where everything everywhere all at once will find its kind of stride and importance as a, as a beacon here? Because it, it did really well. It won, I think seven Oscars. I mean, editing, directing, picture, three of the acting awards um, and screenplay. And so that that's a statement. It's a statement that, and I think it goes down to, we've recognized that the movie's kind of a movie of the moment, a movie of our culture, a movie of a feeling that people can recognize and appreciate. But beyond that, do you think that perhaps, and this this is just a thought because this is nothing that can be proved until later, but how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it winning and representing the Oscars in this way this year? Well, well, we talked about this a little bit. I mean, I feel good about it winning. Yeah. I thought it was a great movie. I love that. It's a great movie. Yeah. I, I understand that some people didn't. And I think that's actually to its credit. Like, I think it's okay for movies to be somewhat divisive. I think it's okay for movies. It, it pleases me when a movie elicits responses. Yeah. Right. Including negative responses. I agree. I think that that's actually useful and good. Right. Um, and, 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 but then of course, some of that gets sucked into some conversation about our, like the 10 craziest fans of everything everywhere all at once, like toxic online. Shows, there, there, there is some, and, and even well, Daniel but, but, Kwan but, has addressed but it's, it. But it's so, but it's, it's such a, like, I just find that story to be so annoying. I mean, the 10 craziest fans of anything online are fucking insufferable yeah they are right pick it doesn't matter x anything so to me that's a bit of a red herring yeah (laughs) do i think do i think that hollywood will learn that's an interesting question in some sense yes i'm sure that there are movies that are being developed right now that are being developed because of everything everywhere all at once yeah I mean, it's a copycat culture. It's a copycat industry. It always has been. Yep. It has been since for as long as I can remember, right? How many Pulp Fiction imitators were there? How many Matrix imitators were there? I mean, in some ways, the older iteration of Hollywood spawned sort of more copycatting because there was still the idea that of making like a new thing that you could make money off of, right? Uh, the copycat culture has changed a little bit because it's all pre-existing franchises right so it's copycat in a different kind of way it's you keep making some version of the same movie because you own the ip versus you see what they did and you try to do something that can jump on the same bandwagon right you you see pulp fiction you go look for looking for lock stock and two smoking barrels right because you're like well could we get a spin on this that we Mm -hmm. will enjoy right so absolutely i do i'm sure that there are things happening right now that are happening because of that movie um 
And you're absolutely right, right? It's so funny that the expansion of the Best Picture category and a lot of the conversations around the awards, making them more popular, making them more inclusive of movies that people actually saw, right? Beyond Los Angeles and New York, beyond these prestige pictures, was has been in, that's been in the conversation for a while, right? And everything, everywhere, all at once is an extremely successful movie. It's it a is. movie that made a lot of money. It's a movie that a lot of people saw, but because it's quirky or whatever, or it's it, because it gets sucked into this endless maw of political analysis, right? Everyone has to say, well, you know, that movie was made for, you know, this is like some sort of affirmative action thing where this movie, people like it because it's, you know, it's different. It's by different people. I just, it's so gross. The conversation around these things is so gross. It's a very entertaining movie. It's not for everyone, but a lot of things aren't for everyone, including a lot of good things. And so, yes, I, I, I think, but I think your point is very astute, which is that you know, and, and when did everything everywhere all at once come out? Like April? March, a year ago, March, March like seventeenth, twenty twenty two. So, so Hollywood like needs that. movies to put into the world right now, like in in the leaner months, right? That can drive people to the box office that are not, you know, two hundred million dollar blockbusters. And actually, I think another thing that might be playing uh, a role here is. You know, Eternals is under underperformed. Ant Man is underperforming. Like I think, I I think that maybe there's a confluence where people are going to say, "Shit, we need some movies that can make some money, that can put some asses in seats that aren't our tentpole." Yeah, right. It's true. And I think, I think people will want to do this, right? And I think A twenty four has clearly that's their that's their model. I mean, they're making a lot of populist movies. They're they're not, you know. They've got a whole horror vein of movies, yep. which is, yeah. we were talking about this the other day, kind of horror, one of the last readouts of like populist entertainment that is not just extremely high budget and yeah. meant to gross a billion dollars on the planet, right? One of the last kinds of movies that get made like that. Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, the the problem with that movie in terms of it being a model is that it's it is weird, and it's not clear to me what you you know to to me the message of things like everywhere, everywhere, everything, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that movie is called, E A O O. The message of A-A-O. that is <laughs> I even got that wrong. <laughs> the message of that is identify people who are interesting, give them money, let them make their movies, right? I mean, that's always the message. And the problem is that these freaks who run Hollywood don't always get the message because they think, I mean, look at what we've seen with Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, right? Those those movies are just so infused with the heavy hand of executives, right? Yeah. You can just see it everywhere in them. Because at the end of the day, the people on the top, the people with the money, they think they know better. That's why they are who they are. That's why where they are. Yeah. So it seems to me that the people at A24 have the good sense to get out of the way. Uh, I don't know anything. I never, I don't read anything. I don't know anything about them. I mean, you know, they've become what Miramax was and Weinstein was famously a uh, an editor of almost everything that they put out, right? So 
So I don't know how, how heavy handed they are in terms of what the directors turn in versus what gets released, but they seem to be allowing people to be weirdos. Yeah. And uh, they have had an, a pretty, a pretty excellent mix this year of creative and commercial success. I just don't know. I just don't know where to, I mean, I'm just rambling because I don't have a great answer. No, no. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, the answer is, the answer is people will try. Yeah. People absolutely. will try, but, but, but like, there, I guess, I guess I, here's what I'm trying to say. There's two things, morals you could take. One is like, try to make that movie again. That's the wrong moral. You can't make that movie again or try to make like, a, uh, a Hispanic version of that, or mm. you know, or a, I mean, or like an LGBTQ just, version of that. This, that's, this, that's the that's the that's the old school, or that's the stupid, or that's the kind of executive way to do it. I, I the think right even way to do it is just empower creative people who are good at and have a vision. Absolutely, I mean, even this year, out of Sundance, one of the high praised films, and I, I don't know if you've seen a trailer for it yet. It's called Polite Society, and it's taking that kind of. It's almost like Scott Pilgrim. It's everything, everywhere, all at once, but it's Indian, and it's about her. Uh, someone's getting married, and she's trying to stop it. Like this, the sister is trying to stop this marriage, and 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 they're fighting in this kind of like heightened martial arts kind of way. It looks fun. It looks quirky, but it. You're right. It's it's sitting in that that pocket of creation or influence or on the culture that w- where everything everywhere all at once has t- has taken. And I hope it's just fun. I hope it's a fun, good movie that uh that that will come out this year but you're right it, i don't know if that's a direct mimicry or copy because obviously sundance this year everything ever well at once comes out last year i mean i'm pretty sure that script was already written things are just in the air things are in the culture things are in the momentum of that yeah um, and that, that for all we know that was hanging around i mean anything that comes out soon probably was hanging around before everything exactly ever once exactly around. so but you, you'll appreciate this analogy right you know nirvana hits well who's gonna get big when nirvana hits well, Soundgarden had been around longer, but people look around and say, well, what's another band in Seattle that sounds kind of like uh, Nirvana? Oh, let's elevate those guys. Great band. Yeah. Better, get, in my know, opinion, better, but <laughs> but, but that, that comes but down to preference. You, or, or Pearl Jam, great band. Also then you better. Get the, then, then you get the imitators that come in its wake. You get your creeds. Not so good. Not so good. Right? Yeah. The, right? the post-grunge movement, yeah. You're going to get a lot of stuff, right? And some of it will be good, and some of it was around before. Like I said, anything that comes out now was in development before everything everywhere all at once was yeah. out there. So, you know, some of that is just – there's always a lot of shit out there. It's like it's not so much – what people create is like what gets elevated yeah. to the next, like what actually that's, gets made. And that's good. That's right? important. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm in a hopeful spirit that that will take, people will tell, take the right ideas, the right momentum for this. And we'll see in a couple of years, some projects that are influenced or at least taking on not, not necessarily in feeling, but the, the idea of its originality, taking on that risk, ta- like leaning into a very specific point of view, because honestly, specificity breeds universality. I've talked about that on my show a lot. And uh, you know, the, yes. the, like taking that on, taking that project on, I think will, br- will, bring a lot of monetary but also cultural benefits and so i was going to say one last topic of conversation you know as i kind of a hopeful thing you know there's a lot of people who are sad that their movie either got shut out and win the move the, the the awards that they thought and this is something that's pretty typical for me my my favorite movies every year don't usually do well in the scope of the the award season 
But uh, I, th- I think as words of encouragement, I like sitting in the vein, and this might tell you a lot about me psychologically, uh, is that I like when a movie, my movie doesn't win because now it remains my like little gem that I can hold on to or share or like, <laughs> and I do think that they age really well. Like I think the Banshees of Inisherin, I think Tar. I think after Sun, these movies are going to age really well. And in 10 years, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Todd Field's Tar. Like, that was a pretty sensational piece of direction, acting. You know, David Gutierrez, our friend friend of this show, he texted me after um, Kate Blanchett lost to Michelle Yeoh. You know, and who deserving. You know, it's a very tight race because very convincing performances. And Michelle Yeoh had a lot on her side to win this year, culturally, representationally. Um, Kate Blanchett loses, and we—he was like—he was texting me about, well, this is like when Ellen Burstein uh, beat uh, Gina Rollins in like '74. It's like Rollins clearly deserved it, but Burstein gave a, a you know a, a performance that kind of sat and and got a lot of more people on board for, of course, the voting category. But Blanchett, undeniably one of the greatest actresses of all time, Tar is going to go down, whether award-winning or not. As one of the mo- the best performances she's ever given, represented representative of her talents, of her spirit, and what she's capable of doing, and so I think I think you know I, I was just this is not even you can chime in if you'd like on this t- point, but I, I I look at there's a lot of people who get like disappointed or angry, and you shouldn't because the words are just kind of silly. They're they're meant to be enjoyed. They're meant to kind of have like a horse in the race, and if your horse loses, it doesn't matter because honestly, the pieces of art have their own world, have their own fan base, have their own life beyond this scope. And I think that these movies will age quite well. The Oscars exist to generate content for people like us. Yes, exactly. They don't exist. (laughs) They're conversation pieces. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's a chance for Hollywood to get around, give itself a pat on the back. Sure. um, Try to send out a message that it wants to send out right about itself. They're obviously very responsive to the moment. Yep. And the moment, very the much. moment is the moment is very volatile and hard to read. And you know, like you said earlier, there's always going to be people who come in with some sort of contrarian take. Uh, I was I, but I, I mean, I said this before. I'll say it again. Everything Everywhere at Once is a great movie. I'm glad it won a bunch of awards. Yeah, it's it's a very high caliber movie of movies that have won Best Picture recently uh only only moonlight is is to me of all the movies that wanted are like top caliber movies uh i mean moonlight kind of to be stands somewhat alone right as kind of a shocking victory you wouldn't you wouldn't a, put like parasite in the conversation i think parasite and everything everywhere all at once are like similar and they're like that's, a, that's, an, that's an interesting that's an interesting point um Sure, I'll put Parasite in there. I like Parasite. Yeah. I think Birdman comes into the, the, a similar category of how these I would, movies... I would put Birdman a, a notch lower than notch those lower. three movies, yeah. but I still like it a lot. For sure, yeah. Um, But I mean, I, it, it, I'm just saying, uh, I, yeah, I like Parasite a lot. I like Parasite a lot. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, I'm just saying there's been some other movies that are one that aren't nearly as good. Oh yeah, Coda, Coda and, Green Book have marred the category for for a little while, for sure. Yeah, well, but you know, it's it's also a sign of how um, how hard it can be to pander sometimes, especially when you don't um, when your your 
barometer is not strong for even what would succeed, yeah. right? What would what would even satisfy someone, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't. Know. But so I'm happy for it. Uh, yes, it exists for us to 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 complain about and make fun of uh, and to talk about. That's Absolutely, what that's Absolutely. its purpose. It has, I, it has no further purpose. And it was true. You used the right word for it. It was quite the inoffensive Oscars. I mean, it sat just kind of right in the middle. Uh, if if you were bored, it was slightly. It's because it it just sat right in the middle. If you were more than entertained, it was because it sat right in the middle. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't disastrous. Which I prefer. I prefer just kind of a mediation of of these events. Well, like, <laughs> well, last year was such a black swan. Ooh, right? It was mean, rough. It was rough. I mean, it's you couldn't. You're not gonna do that again. No, right? no. Uh, uh, but no, it was fine. I mean, as a broadcast, it was fine. Um, there actually was. I mean, I mean, there actually was in terms of the music performances. I thought that Gaga's performance was particularly yeah. Moving. I you know very stripped down. It, very um, unlike a lot of other performances, which it which it benefited from. I mean, Rihanna, obviously the baddest baddie on the planet. Sure. Uh, hard, hard to compete. Ter- but in terms of an actual performance, um, I thought I, I thought Gaga kind of went for it in a, in a very stripped down way that I thought uh, stood out well for its contrast yeah. to everything else around it. It's, it's interesting. Had people been voting on the songs due to performance, I think Gaga would have walked away with an Oscar for that. Um, sure, but sure. but, but uh, so that's just another award that exists to throw some shine on something that you something like else. That's, yeah yeah which is which is fine I oh that I guess just to finish a point I started like uh, twenty minutes ago or whatever I was surprised that a mo- the movie that was had it seems to me there was the least reason to give those awards to All Quiet on the Western Front got so many of them yeah because yeah. I can yeah. think of more, I can think of better reasons to give those awards to Top Gun or Avatar or uh, Black Panther. All three of those movies, like I'm saying, and this has nothing to do with who should win in that category. No, yeah. This is simply like, what is the purpose of those awards? I agree. I was surprised. Like I was Top Gun. Top Gun made the money. Black Panther has got a lot of emotion around it, and uh, Avatar Two also made a ton of money. And um, I don't know. I I thought it was technically, in, at least in certain ways, sort of truly amazing right it is, it is yeah i mean it's a big franchise for you know i don't want to company i don't want to harp on all quiet on the western front um i because i think it is a highly technical achievement of a film i think it uh, i mean it's I, it should be noted that it didn't win adapted screenplay and that's because i don't think it is actually a great adaptation of the book uh, it sits in the shadow of a previous Best Picture winner of, of an adaptation from Lewis Milestone in 1929, which is a superior film, rendition of the book, uh, getting to the core of it. So I don't know. It left me a little uh, aloof, you know, the, this adaptation, the spirit. It's very gritty, very violent. But the thing is, is when you've seen those kinds of movies before, I mean, it's it's almost it's in the same way that you're re-shocked into the 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 core of the of the anti-war picture you know most people are like all war films are anti-war pictures i don't think that that is necessarily correct but when you've seen top something gun, top gun, with yeah, top that, that is definitely a pro picture. pro-war picture absolutely but like when you've seen like uh come and see like when you've seen these movies that are just so dreary and uh, and hopeless and cynical almost nihilistic about the project of war 
when you see that that this movie it almost is like yeah i get it uh, but i've seen this before i've seen this idea we've seen this rendition a lot of people like their war movies a lot of people like the just the setting uh it it, it is dramatic it's explosive quite literally uh i get i get the appeal in a kind of cinematic vein but all quiet on the western front kind of left me a little meh and i i think yeah. it's it's fine it's it's a fine movie i think it is highly technical so i'm not surprised it won some technical achievements but uh yeah it's it's just interesting it's interesting when these kind of movies kind of also break the mold this international feature that spoke through lines like crossed cultures through the experience it's very interesting yeah yeah so that was that was weird to me it is or whatever from uh, from one cinematic conversation to another, let's do it. Uh, should we talk about Bobby Farrelly's Champions? So I was, I'm, we should because, and only because I'm. I need you to tell me about it because because of the scheduling, I wasn't able to see it. But it's something that I'm oh, curious about oh, seeing. It. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, this is a lot of pressure, Kyle. It is a lot of pressure. I got to do you. a solo movie review. You do. Oh my I can goodness. ask you questions. I can ask you questions if if that helps. Sure, sure. Fire away, buddy. All right. So let fair, it rip. So this is from Bobby Fairley. Uh, a lot of people know the Fairley brothers. Uh, they've done, you know, Stuck on You with Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear. Let me think of their bad movies so first, uh, like Movie Forty Three. I, I cannot pick either of them out of a police lineup. I don't know which is which. I don't know that there's a difference. There's a difference. No. Maybe uh, they're not. How many of there could be three of them? Well, Peter, Peter Fairley has clearly deviated, uh, and is it was an uh, is an Oscar nominee of sorts because he is the one who directed Green Book. Uh, and so he took a different path as they split in their careers. And I, it seems Bobby Fairley is taking up the mantle of what they've left behind, the Dumb and Dumbers, the, some, uh, the There's Something About Mary. And I've seen the trailer for Champions, and it's one of those movies that, like, when you see the trailer, you're like, oh, my, this is, this is, this is, uh, walking the tightrope it's walking a line but i get the feeling and this is this it's utilizing kind of taboo subject matter leaning into something minorly offensive but also paying a self-awareness to that and keeping it charming is the goal it's the intent i can see that in the trailer my hope is that it is my hope is because it's it's a it's a professional basketball coach who falls from the limelight and he goes to coach a um, these uh, a group a group of people with Down syndrome, me- mental disabilities, uh, physical disabilities, I'm sure as well, and they have a team and that and then he brings them up uh, to be kind of really good in the, in their vein of the competition. That's what I got from the the trailer. I'm hoping that it is it it rides that line well, that it's charming, that Woody Harrelson. Uh, his dynamic and chemistry with with the other cast and these uh, and and these uh, newcomers and uh, these unknowns uh, shines quite well. But how did you feel about it? Did did this all coalesce? So, 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 so this is funny. This is a lot of pressure on me. Uh, I'm going to try to deal with it as well as the the characters and champions do. I <laughs> uh, I liked this movie. Sure. I thought this was a lovely, fun movie. I think that this is, we were talking about the kind of movies that need to exist or that we'd like to see exist. I think this movie is very much in the vein of a movie that I'm 
very happy to see come out and to take my time to go watch mm-hmm. these the doldrums of late winter, early spring, where there's just a lot, lot, lot of not a lot out there. I didn't want to see the new Scream movie. I don't care about that. I didn't want to see the 65 movie. I don't even care about that. I like Adam Driver. I you know I do I like Adam Driver. I, I think he's a great actor. I hope he uh, I hope he flourishes. I hope he flourishes in this life. I liked this movie. Yes, it has Woody Harrelson. Uh, it has um, Ernie Hudson still looking great. Still looking great. Well, Ernie Hudson's in it. 70s. Oh, well good. Seventies. Thurlene and I. I went and saw it with a friend of the show, Thurlene. We were talking about how uh, Ernie, who's about a quarter of a century uh, Woody senior, is still looking great, looking better than Woody on some level, which is which is tough. Just a just a strapping looking dude. I Even love it. I love Ernie Hudson. His, well into his uh well into his ARP years. It's got the woman from Always Sunny. Uh and it's got a bunch of people. As you, it's got Cheech Marine is oh, in nice. it as well. Oh right. And it's it's got a who seems to be in a lot these days. He's getting a lot of work. Maybe Cheech is uh maybe Cheech is uh needs some cash because he seems to be out there doing more work because he was in that other um movie we watched with the um with the uh or maybe I just watched this movie. Yeah, I watched this movie with my parents up in uh, up in Wisconsin. It's so funny. I see so few movies that aren't to review that I never remember which ones. <laughs> uh, the the uh, the movie that's like a Channing Tatum uh, uh, v- and uh, J Lo vehicle. My parents made me watch where they they uh, or it's not it's not even Channing Tatum. It's, oh, it's uh, the it's, Josh Duhamel. It's Josh Duhamel. Yeah, I got all these. I got the, all these. The Amazon Prime pictures. one, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that, and he's in that too. Uh, so Cheech clearly needing some work, uh, which you know, get, get checks, buddy, get paid. Absolutely. Uh, I thought this was a delightful movie. It was. It was not. It. It was. It was maybe a little bit less funny than I expected. Sure. I, you know, I'm sort. I'm sort of used to the Fairly Brothers kind of in their best work, just kind of trying to get as many laughs from it as possible. But I thought it was, I mean, I like Woody Harrelson a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very compelling and interesting uh, lead actor, right? He definitely brings something very specific to the work that he does. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, it's not for me to say, right? I'm not in a great position to say um, how anyone should feel. And I'm not really inclined to say how anyone yeah. should feel about how people with developmental disabilities are portrayed in this film. Yeah. Right. I generally am of the opinion that if the portrayals are of any people, right. Any people who are underrepresented, if they're honest and if they uh, are divergent and diverse and interesting, because one thing I think this movie does really well is you get a lot of characters who have different sorts of developmental disabilities mm-hmm. and even gets into in a way that I thought actually really worked. There's kind of a montage thing where they talk about the different people in the movie and kind of what they do during the day and what their lives are like in a way that, um, that really worked for me. It was kind of a, you know, as in terms of doing like a kind of exposition montage, there was, there was some really good work in this movie that felt kind of heartwarming and unobtrusive and actually engaging which I think is hard to do with that kind of material that brings you into their lives and that kind of distinguishes between, oh, well, he can do this, but not that. She can do this, but not that. She's really good at this. 
he lives alone. They live in a group home together. She still lives with her family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was very, um, I thought because of the team concept, it it really allowed them to sort of show this tableau mm-hmm. of people with uh, with intellectual disabilities or, or, you know, developmental disabilities and just show how kind of diverse their experiences are yeah. within that context, yeah. which I think is to the movie's credit and hopefully would make it resonate with people as a depiction that brings a lot of different people together with different life experiences and different uh, paths to having, you know, because some, some of the people had suffered sort of injuries like traumatic brain injuries. Others had, you know, conditions like down syndromes or genetic conditions that they were, they were born with. Uh, I thought it was a charming and heartwarming uh, film. I really did. And I, I enjoyed it. I got, you know, I found it to be a very, pleasurable enjoyable like i said not at times um you know and i mean the script of it i mean you know every twist and turn it's going to take yeah he wants to get back to the nba he gets the offer is he going to take it is he going to take it blah 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 blah. yeah you know all that going in yeah there's not there's not a like the (laughs) the plot is very very paint by numbers right i mean and and there's no twists and there's no there's a there's a lot of movies that are paint by numbers that we still enjoy because it's about the variables within that convince us that that that's the journey we want to take we want the conventional because these characters are appeasing or charming in their way and you're 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 talking about the development developmental disabilities but i think it's very clear from the trailer that the punching bag for the jokes is woody harrelson like they're punching him because he's the one who needs to change he's the one who needs to come down from this ego from his position he needs to have a little more grounded idea of the world and i these uh, these people who are uh, uh who have these developmental disabilities but they are living life in a different way and uh, i like that you're mentioning that there is this montage there's this tableau uh, this is getting me. This is convincing me that it's worth my time, even though conventional. Because this sweetness, this consideration, this authenticity—that there are differences to this life, that there are specificities to this kind of life—they are the ones being considered here. That, that that it's it's a they're the ones changing. They're the ones inspiring an arc of change to bring us to bring us the audience with this lead character who needs to be understand better the world and what's around them and appreciate to learn to appreciate what they have and appreciate like who they're around and how they spend their time. That sweetness was apparent in the trailer. And I'm glad that you're, you're saying that it's convincing. Well, yeah. I mean, I found it convincing. Like I said, I mean, it's, that's going to be a litmus test for people when they see it. Absolutely. And I, and I, I, I'm loath to sort of comment on, these things in any sort of context broader than my personal experience with it. I, but I, I am of the opinion, right. That like, if you want, when we say we want more representation of any group, right. It doesn't, doesn't matter what group, the way that you get that is by having a lot of different possibilities for representation yeah, of that group. Right? Absolutely. Because, because there's always going to be the sort of, there's always going to be the stand and deliver out there, right? There's always going to be that movie that like really focuses laser sharp on like, here's what's hard about being in this particular situation. And here's someone who's going to overcome that. Mm. That's always, that movie will get made and that's out there. Right. But if you, you know, the point is that you need to have a lot of different, different representations, funny ones, serious ones. I think in a way this goes back to everything everywhere all at once. Right. 
let's let's get a movie that can be capacious in its representations yeah, yeah. of people from this group or that group that doesn't have to be completely about kind of the one thing that we all know, right? Or the one struggle that is sort of the most in our minds about this particular group or that particular group, right? The, the essence of white, but people talk a lot about privilege and they talk about white privilege. I mean, the essence of white privilege is that white people can go into a movie with no such baggage, right? They can be whatever. They can be yeah. good. They can be bad. They can be gay. They can be straight. They can be this. They can be that. I mean, obviously the gay thing can come with some baggage, right? But sure. like, but like they can just sort of, they can just sort of be whatever and, and, and their presence in the movie is, is in our culture, at least sort of anonymous, right? Or not anonymous, but it's, it's, it, it can, it can encompass all kinds of things yeah. without any baggage. Right. And that ability to kind of, and this is as true in the sort of broader culture as it is in cinema, right? That ability to kind of reinvent without the, without people having stereotypes or assumptions about what you are doing or what your struggle is or what your narrative is, right? That's the privilege, right? Yeah. It's, a much, it's as much about an absence as a presence, an absence of stereotype, an absence of expectation. So to get there or to further the goal of representation and diversity, we have to get people the ability to be in screwball comedies and serious mm-hmm. dramas in you know all the above yeah, right Where because we all experience the variety of these yes, situations absolutely. the variety of these emotions yeah absolutely i mean it's it's honest to life that's right i mean you know uh, whoever you are your life day to day is about the quotidian bullshit <laughs> that we all are mired in right it's not about this struggle or that struggle it's about you get up, I make my coffee, I pay my bills, you know. We're we're, in we're all in we're Gene Dealman. We're on the the sound yes. and, the sight and sound number one movie now. Is it yeah. we're Gene Dealman? Like that's that's our lives. <laughs> and to whatever extent you give people the opportunity to expand uh their portrayals, right? Beyond just the kind of most obvious, like you know, here's a person with this struggle and da 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 da. da. I think that that um, augurs well for for art and cinema and culture, yeah. right? And so I look at this movie, and what do I see? I see uh, what seems to me, what felt to me, to be affectionate, honest, and like I said, diverse. I think I think the ensemble character is important, yeah, right? Because there you get to show. Because I think that people, especially people who don't have experience with working with with people who have intellectual disabilities, I think you the person that they have in their head is probably someone with Down syndrome, right? That's probably the kind of person. Mm-hmm. Or they probably have like a specific idea, right? Yeah. And there are characters in this movie that have Down syndrome, but there are also characters with a bunch of other things going on. And, and different capacities, different presentations, right? Different manifestations. Yeah. And I think that that is one thing that really helps the movie along. Yeah. Is, and, and is that sense of, you know, here and, and and I will say that for an ensemble piece, it does it does do one of the things that good movies like this do well, which is that each you 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 care about and have a feeling for and you have identity on a lot of different characters, right? 
which is hard to do because you have to do it in very sort of concentrated, high impact ways because you're not going to get a lot of time to sit with all these characters. There's just not enough time to go yeah. around, right? Yeah. So the fact that you have a lot of vivid portrayals that really are impactful and memorable and distinct, right, is um, is impressive. And I think it speaks to um, the technical proficiency. And I think that does come from a background in making sort of high impact comedy, right? Where it's like, you have to get a lot out of specific lines, specific moments. Like you need to have, you need to really be able to hit hard uh, and quick, right? And I think the movie does a good job with that. Like yeah. I said, I, I mean, you you know the plot to this movie. You would know yeah. if you've seen the trailer. Yeah. There are no surprises. There are no twists. But I, like I said, I liked the characters. I liked the portrayal. I found it, I, you know, I, it made me, you know, I was, I was happy. I felt good. Uh, I felt, uh, I felt good that I gave my time to this movie. Uh, I think that, I think that we could stand to have like more movies. Like this. I agree. Well, and I agree. Right? That, 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 just, just movies that are just, you know, like, like Colin Farrell wants to be in Banshees, right? This is nice. It's this nice. Is a nice it's movie. A nice movie. This is a nice movie. This or is were you never nice, Colin... Ben? Were you never nice? Uh, I was never nice. <laughs> but, but, but this is a movie that, um, that Colin Farrell's character would enjoy and Brendan Gleeson's character would hate. And I think that that's... That... That that's, division is important, right? Because that's, I mean, that's, that's why that movie is really good because it gets yes. into a, a mode of like, what do we appreciate? What do we like? And so, with um, I don't know, can you hear a child outside my door, uh, or is my microphone good enough to block out that sound? <laughs> is this is this like a Rorschach test? Uh, can I? What can I hear? I cannot hear anything but your voice. All right, well that's good. And well, the humming of my refrigerator. Humming, well, hopefully that, that. Hopefully it doesn't distract or disrupt. Um, but I like I like this description. I am planning on going to see it. I just didn't get into the time frame for when that's we. That's okay. Have You're a busy man. For You're a busy man. You do so much, Kyle. Well, and take a I, break. I, I am t- I am like I am trying to take a break. I and to the point where I even forgot my drive. Maybe that was a, a subconscious choice. Because you, think, you think that was a cry for help? Maybe a, a cry for help. Extreme. I forgot my drive. <laughs> Episodes are not coming out this week, other than the, this one. So, uh, but but it will continue next week. But yeah, I I I want to see this movie because of the exact kind of feeling that you're you're tapping into. Yeah, the formula is there. I mean, ensemble pieces with sports movies. I mean, how you you almost can't get more formulaic than that. It's going to operate in a very consistent form. But how it's described, the affection it has for the characters, the 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 uh, what it's trying to represent. I it reminds me of like one of my favorites of the genres, like Slapshot, where it's this team of 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 chaos and like the personalities are clashing. They're trying to do things uh, their own way, and obviously everyone it, it comes together in in different in different varieties. And uh, but there, but there is kind of drama and clash, uh, but comedically that that drama is comedic and how the contrasts are kind of working. And so it, it the setup is very fairly brothers or and uh, very bobby uh in this way i mean it, it, it's not surprising when you when i saw the trailer i'm like this got to be a fairly brothers movie surely it was and so it's not surprising to me but i'm glad that the their their ability to have a sweetness something that under underpins the entire thing 
um, makes the formula very easy to go down. You know, it's like a spoon, spoonful of sugar makes this medicine go down, you know? And so I'm, I'm going to go, I mean, I'll, I'm I'll, go take, watch I'll it. take way more champions before I need another green book. I'll That's a hundred percent. I'll take way more of these movies. And yes, I mean, we, we have formulas. We've, they've existed for as long as, as drama has existed. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, it's funny. We talked about we talked about Operation Fortune last time. Very similar idea. Right? Yes. Yeah. Very. Very. I mean, I mean, that that movie is is has more originality to it than this one. I in agree. Terms of in terms of what's going on in it, because it's a little more cheeky. I mean, this movie is earnest, but I, like earnestness is okay too. We can I stand agree. for a little in, in this increasingly cynical culture we can stand to have a little earnest i can handle that we can stand to have a little sappiness this is a sappy movie i'm a sappy person right i I can be definitely i definitely can be sappy absolutely to my sappy side and uh and yeah so so i mean i you know obviously expectations are everything right i mean if you went to this thinking it was going to be sort of earth shattering i'm sure it would be disappointing it would be disappointing but it is but it is I think path breaking in its portrayal of, you know, the people in the movie. That's good. And, and I think that's a good, I think that's good. You know, that to me, okay. Like let's give, give me some, give me some stuff like this, which like, which leaves me feeling a little bit nicer, which leaves me feeling a little emotionally better, which doesn't just, which doesn't just rely on like visually just, just filling my head with whatever you can do with a couple hundred million dollars yeah. and, you know, the bunch of computers, like, just give me something. Yeah. Give me something. Right. And this, so this movie succeeds on those terms and, you know, those terms are fine for a movie. Well, I'm going to go I'm more than happy with that. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to check it out this week and uh, maybe I'll confirm what Ben has, uh, has said, but I have the feeling, I have a feeling that that it's, it's exactly what it promises to serve. And that's, that was my expectation going in anyway. Um, did you see scream six? No. All right. Well, no, I did. No, I can't, I guess I, can't. I could, I could take on that one real quick. Oh, sure. 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 So <laughs> Kyle, how many times did you scream? A zero, uh, zero. Uh, but, th- but then again, I don't, I don't get scared in this way, or it's, did you, it's did not you scream the thrill. inside yourself, wishing to leave. Um, yes, you, but were, not were you screaming. So in, in again, your heart? not necessarily because of the movie, but I would, I arrived. I I ordered some chicken tenders at the AMC eight. Uh, they they had the earliest screening on the Friday, and so there was a twelve thirty screening. I was like, well, I want to get it out of the way. So I had ordered some chicken tenders. Well, something you, went is wrong. Is that the one in the mall? Did it's the one in the mall. the mall. Yeah. In the, okay. The Burbank there's mall. the three AMCs. Yeah, the I went six. to see champions at the one, the small one outside the mall. The, the six. six. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that one I have fond memories of when they released uh, the special edition Star Wars, which I have, I, I, I kind of revile against now because of the awful effects. But when it was the special edition Return of the Jedi, the Cinema Six had just recently it was new. It was open. It was the new theater. I went to go see opening night, Return of the Jedi special edition with a bunch, a bunch of friends. Uh, yeah, oh, I have yeah, fond memories, memories of that theater. Happy memories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so I get my chicken tenders. Something went wrong, so they had to recook them or give me a different kind. I'm like, that's fine. I, it's, there's 
30 minutes of trailers. Like, I just don't care. But and, and it ha- it happened to work out in timing. I get my chicken tenders. I go to the theater. I walk in. And they're very small at the 8. They're very, it's like three or four rows of seats. Um, tr- the movie's right about to start. Nicole Kimmons on the screen. Uh, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect timing. I didn't have to watch any of the trailers. I have my food. And then I go to my seat, and there's these three guys sprawled out, feet up, you know, inclines up. One of them, there, two guys are sitting in between my seat with a guy in my seat. And I'm like, did these guys choose seats around me? And and I'm like, dude, you're in my seat. And then they they all shifted over. And I have to sit next to these guys. Now I'm annoyed. I'm just annoyed that they couldn't follow the rules. They couldn't see, be in the seats that they want that they had chosen. Maybe, maybe they couldn't read. Well, and, and then they became to be the most evident cinema bros where they're talking no, about not bros. They're not the, the bros. bros. I mean, every time Courtney Cox is on the screen, disparaging her looks and how she looks, uh, Hayden Panettiere like comes on screen and they're like, Oh man, she's hot. I want to get on that. I was just like, what is happening in this movie right now? Who are these people? What are these talking about? Straight out of central casting. It was awful. They were, they were, they were a stereotype, and it was just it ruined it ruined my theater experience. But then again, so I will say we reviewed Scream Five last year, and to be honest, if you really want to know what the what where Ben was probably going to land on this, and probably more negative than that, is because this movie is the same thing. It's the same exact thing. And this, and you mentioned earlier this this idea of, and and I thought this was appropriate. And I was talking to Katie earlier about my feelings about this, because if you like Scream, if you like the franchise, if you like the formula, if you like what they're doing, the kind of meta commentary on genre itself, using the characters to kind of represent that, and like as a magician's trick, you know, to have the red herrings, the diversions, as you're not looking over at their other hand, so that they can surprise you in some ways Uh, it's not a bad movie in this in the way that it does not follow this operation it it follows it quite well and if you like the characters which i I find questionable but if you do like these new characters from scream 5 and their continuation and their additions i think it's a, a perfectly acceptable mode of this this franchise but you had mentioned earlier this underperforming idea from Eternals, from Ant-Man. I'm I'm getting very anti-franchise. And I know that this entire industry is kind of built up on franchise. And I'm not talking about like like requels here and there. I'm not talking like like Mad Max Fury Road. I'm not talking about Top Gun Maverick as a sequel to something, some kind of known IP. Those, Those can be thrilling and engaging in familiarity and uniqueness, originality in some ways that make make those cinema experience is enjoyable beyond the concept of the franchise but when it's franchise it defines these things and the expectation is is what controls and so with marvel i think the fatigue the disinterest that is emerging and it it, you cannot deny that it is it's not emerging like it, it is happening whether whether they still do well is is not the question is there a substantial part of the audience that is being lost because of the elongated storytelling because of the rep- repetition of the formula. The franchise is killing the vibrancy, originality, and feeling of these kinds of movies. And so 
the meta commentary in this movie is that now they are officially a franchise that they can call back to as many things as they want. Um, that things can, that people have an expectation can be thrown out the window because you can, because franchise controls everything. Franchise is more important than the individuals as part of it. And while that commentary is apt and it's convincing in the, in the film, it also plays to its detriment because you start to go, Oh yes, I'm not here to follow any of these characters. In fact, if they die, it doesn't matter if they come out with Scream 7 with a whole different swath of characters. The franchise itself is what's important. And my my interest depletes. My engagement depletes. I think if you enjoy the idea of franchise, and you enjoy, if that's what you're engaging in, that's fine. That's fair. But for to have this expectation of me to engage in it in a sense of its originality, I find it boring i find it repetitive and i see the tricks coming a mile away you see in scream 5 we saw the tricks coming a mile away in this one it's even more obvious i'm like even though they i'm like yeah that character that that's my target and sure enough she was one of them like at the cop if you're not putting any attention on particular people they're your killers that it's just the the vein of it and so those that that those revelations are boring. They're just boring, and going through the formula is boring. So I was just disengaged, and and that's that that is a personal experience. I'm pretty sure you would have had a similar experience, Ben. I think so. Well, it's interesting, right? You talk about sequels and franchises and all that. I think that because of the success of certain things, there's been a sort of conflation of different modes of storytelling that or structuring plots. Yeah, that has led to some how do i want to say this you know not all sequels are created equally and not all processes of pursuing a franchise are created equally right obviously you know you have different kinds of ways of having a story continue right so in terms of the idea of franchise, the thing that looms above all other things is Star Wars. Star mm-hmm. Wars is the reason for the season. It's why we find ourselves where we are. Well, that's a trilogy. That's not a, that's not a franchise. Like, and There's a big difference between a trilogy and an ongoing serial, right? That yeah. is of indeterminate length. <laughs> These are two very different modes of storytelling, right? A trilogy is just a long thing, right? where you're going to have an act structure to the three that mirrors the internal act structure, the internal three act structure of most stories. Yes. Yeah. That's what that is, but it's of a determinate length, right? You've got the trilogy in mind. You've got your three in you know, sort of three continuous stories that are themselves going to have a kind of macro structure, much like each movie has an internal structure, right? That's very different than the sort of, you know, when I was a kid, read the funny pages, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that was in the comics, the daily comics in the newspaper that my grandpa would let me read, were these absolutely unintelligible Dick Tracy-esque comic strips do you remember these yes they were kind of detective comics that on the, their own made zero they were like sense. soap like, they were like uh soap operas or like detective series like with, with the like kevin and Hobbs made fun of these uh where yes. he would imagine he and Susie 
as these characters playing out these melodramas or she because she was the one who wanted to have the melodrama and he uh he uh he uh, waterston did the animation in that style yes i do recall these by the way also apparently has a graphic novel coming out bill waterston a <gasps> new original really? graphic novel yeah he 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 stopped doing calvin hobbs and went and did this whole other thing he's so very interesting honestly calvin hobbs is my favorite comic of all time uh it is it's poignant it's funny it it's it's all that like life pertains to and its philosophy i love everything about it he in the fact that bill waterston has not sold out not allowed anyone to touch his beloved comic i i i greatly value that it 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 enhances the value of the work rather than spreading it around it it is interesting that that there's value in not allowing it to be adapted or, or changed yeah. or reinterpreted that value pertain persists and what i love these little stories about him is that he'll go to local bookstores uh around where he lives i think he's in ohio and he will sign randomly uh, he'll sign them and put them back uh randomly and so you you could maybe get a signed bill watterson calvin and Hobbes comic book That's i funny. love it i love him so but anyways Yes, we love we love we love you, and I am excited for his new book. Me too. But you know, these ongoing soap operatic serials have to be and can only be very repetitive. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. Because there's only so much you can do, right? When you have some sort of indeterminate, when when the goal is to just keep it going forever. Right, which is different than if you decide to make three or four or ten, even right. Because if there's a fixed and determinate length, you can create an actual story. Yeah. But if the only goal is just to keep it going and going and going and going and going and going, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Right. What are you gonna do? Right. You can't. Everything you do is just in service of keeping the thing. There's no resolve. Along. There's no. There's no resolution. Really, you have to keep it going. Keep the ball in the air, which is that. And that's the. There's a reason that soap operas suck. Yes, soap operas. Hundred percent. Soap operas suck, and they double suck when they're movies. Because we don't go to the movies for soap operas. We go to soap operas for soap operas, right? If you want soap operas or telenovelas, but even telenovelas, right? They're always of a very fixed duration. That's a big difference. America, we have this concept of the soap opera, which just goes on forever and ever. Some of these shits have been running for like 30 years. 30, 40 years. It's insane. One one of them... One of it, you know, it's like um, it's like Cy Young's 509 wins. I think I think the longest running one, maybe Guiding Light or something like that, has a record for episodes that'll like never be eclipsed, right? Because it just has been going on five days a week forever and ever and ever. Yeah, right. So, so you you have this very impoverished, and even if you don't think it's impoverished, let's take the value judgment out of it, right? You have this very specific thing. Where I don't know, I, I mean, I, I, I dated a girl in college who was really into soaps, and I sat down and watched the ones with her for um, for uh, a few months or whatever. And it's like, it, I, did, I went through the whole cycle of soaps, which is that I was curious but not really interested. Then I was interested and I kind of sucked in. And then by the end, like after months and months and months, nothing had happened. And they kept ending every episode on essentially the same cliffhanger, waiting for the reveal of whether this baby was an alien or God knows what. <laughs> I don't remember. And it's not important, right? It's not important because the point is that they keep dragging you back, yeah. dragging you back, dragging you back. 
And now we live in this, this age of prestige TV, which is sort of a weird hybrid where they are usually of a more fixed duration, have a fixed story, but they still have to do the TV trick of ending on some sort of a cliffhanger that makes you need to watch the next one. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the TV thing, right? They need to hook you into the next one. They need to pace it, the story in such a way that it ends at a point where like, I got to see the next one, right? I got to see what happens next, right? And so if everything is always has, always has to be made such that you got to see the next one, you got to see the next one. Well, at some point that shit's going to get old, yeah, right? It gets old. Because yeah. it's going to get tired. And especially when what we go to the movies for, whether we know it or not, right, is something that allows for a sort of catharsis within its bounds, right? We need to have an experience there that is complete, right? And that doesn't mean that there can't be a sequel, but our experience in that theater at that moment should be complete. Yeah, It should stand on its own, right? And there is no way for that to happen because in these franchises, which like I said, is different than having a trilogy yeah. or a Absolutely. It is. or Absolutely. A, fixed, a fixed one. It is, it is, there's this experience of, well, this is just setting the stage to hook us back for the next one. Yeah. And I, I just don't, and I've said this a million times. I feel, I feel like I'm just always repeating myself, but this is why Scorsese is right. These aren't movies. Yeah. These aren't movies. They're not movies. They're something else. And that's, you know, if you like them, you like them and some of them are better than others, but they're not, they are not offering you an experience yeah. that is complete. They're just not. They're by design not offering that to you because that's how they make the money. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's and true. So, yeah. So, so they make the money on their more mediocre properties. Like they get enough people to come to the Ant-Man movie because they're like, well, I got to see them all. Yeah. Like Pokemon. I got to catch them all. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'll go see the next Guardians movies because I like James Gunn and I, I drive pleasure from those. I'll go see some of them. But at this point, this sense of like, this sense of like, I'm going to see them out of what? Some sense of obligation. obligation. Like, I got to get the whole yeah. story. No, I don't. You don't. I know the story. So yeah. I got it. The story is the same. It, it, it I follows got it the same already. progression. The song remains the same. <laughs> right. So, so I, I, I just, that, that's the problem is this perversion. Uh-huh. Right, which Scorsese accurately identified, and which um, which the the fans of these movies, well, they they just they just get upset. And they're just like, he's such an elitist. He's such a snob. Well, first of all, I, I'm I am too. I I'm fine with elitism and snobbery. And second of all, you're not really engaging with his point. You're no. not really engaging with the point. Not you're at saying all. like, oh, that's snobbery. And he, whether it's snobbery or not, there's actual content to the argument. That's not just like it's not as good. Right. That's not the argument. The argument is that it is something different, good or bad. It is a different kind of thing. And to me, at this point, that is beyond dispute. Yes, definitely a different kind of thing. Well, and I also think this goes back. We can take all of these points and talk about just real quick the, the, the entire project, the point of the original Scream movie. I mean, this comes from a filmmaker who who refused, refused to be part of franchise. Like he does a nightmare on Elm Street and does not engage with it again. Like it, everyone kind of takes those ideas and spreads it around. Like he is, uh, I mean, he he just refuses because he wants to tell these kind of engaged stories. I mean, he comes back with Wes Craven's new nightmare. That that's it. Nineteen ninety four, right before he does Scream, 
And he does Scream 2 and Scream 3 and Scream 4. But that's where what that was the breaking point of Scream. I don't think Scream was meant as it was originally conceived and its commentary on youth at the time, on the engagement of violence, the uh, the the uh, uh, society of violence, a society of violence where it, you're there. There is a separation. There, there are these suburban pe- kids who are isolated from the violence. But they are engaged in the constant news cycle, the 24-hour obsession with violence. Their media has violence. And so as, as a kind of act of wanting to engage with what is the reality of the world, they have to like engage in this perverse and pathological idea, an ethos of violence, because they want to, it, it, that's how they're like engaging in the world. And then the franchise, uh, the sequels kind of diverge away. They lean into the meta commentary of it. They leave behind the ethos and the commentary of what was going on with the youth. And it becomes uninter- they become uninterested in that question. And that, that's what's so wild to me is that Craven, is, I, I think, you know, sells, not selling himself out, but goes down the line of Scream 2, 3, and 4, but because he enjoys the the dynamics of it, he enjoys making the commentary. He's somebody who's founded himself in horror. Hills have eyes, um, you know. Last house on the left, someone who has engaged in the question and setting up the foundation of the very thing that we that he wanted to com- the comment on. And the Scream franchise allowed him a kind of tongue-in-cheek avenue for it. So I don't think it's a betrayal of his anti-franchise ideas, but the fact that they've continued without him creates a, di- a dissonance through through the intent and his his ideas that he had for this this um, for these sequels through these stories, and we're le- we're almost embodying the i the the mimicry of language behind it, but we're not getting the soul. What is the soul of the first Scream movie? And I think we've left that far behind. And that's what happens with almost every franchise. To make to make something interesting, you have to have something to say. I right? agree. I mean, and, and that's different than like a political message. People get these things twisted. It's not about having a political message. In fact, movies that are didactically political are never very good. But you have to have something to say. You have to have a perspective. You have to have a vision, a view of the world, right? That's that's what it is. That's what cinema is, yeah. right? And you know, say what you will about champions. Like it's got a it's got a view to share. Like it's got a perspective. It has it. it speak and we go back to this with movies made by committee, movies made by executives. It's like we're just beating the same fucking drum all the time, right? This these movies just I haven't seen Scream Six. But yeah, but these franchise movies, they just have no perspective. Mm-hmm. They I have agree. No perspective. They have nothing. And that's why the ones like, you know, like Guardians, I mean, at least there's some sort of perspective or vision or something. Some somebody was thinking, you know, that, that there's there's this feeling of a person who wants to tell a story yeah. and has this idea in their head. You know, this idea that just had to make its way into the world, you know, this cool idea about here's a story I want to tell you. But that's, you know, that has a certain, I mean, this goes back to the conversation about everything everywhere all at once and its potential imitators. You know, you can't, that's the thing you can't just fabricate in a lab. You can't. You can't fabricate in a lab 
you know, the big idea, you know, the whole David Lynch, you know, the big, beautiful idea, right? You can't, that's just something that has to come from someone, right? That has, that has to come from a person. And um, in no amount of technical wizardry or industry knowledge or, you know, however many times you've read uh, Save the Cat, right? None of of that's going to help, right? Because, it's just not interesting. I agree. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have, it's, it has no soul. Right. And if, you know, if it has no soul, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to get you. It's not going to get you. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of soulless shit out there. Right. Which is part of why we find ourselves in the predicament yeah. that we're, we're in is, um is we're sort of, uh you know, there's not there's not uh i don't know i mean maybe there's a lot of alternatives right i mean you know i i think it's important not to not to be too myopic about these things right i mean we get you know we're commenting on the moment and that's always going to have a certain myopia to it right i mean it's you know i mean you, you know what what do, what do we really know yeah. about, about what's going on but we can look at these specific things and say they feel they feel dead I agree. They feel, they feel inert. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There is enjoyment to be, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think the acting, uh, sits right in the pocket of what is uh, a necessity to these kinds of movies. Uh, but, but the, the trickery, the magician trickery of thrillers, uh, that they're, they're honing in on, like it has a dual cold open and, and anyone who knows that, you know, just the tricks of cinema and formula. You're like, oh, this is interesting in the sense that it was a clever idea, but you know what the outcome of it is. Like, it, there's just nothing. Nothing about it is cathartic and figure either figuring it out. If you figured it out, it's kind of boring. If you didn't know, I mean, maybe the the shock of it is is I think tangential to the experience and it's become just so gory like that if you read any review it's just like gore it's oh it's so bloody it's so gory and for me that's just boring it's like it, there there has to be you're it just goes right back to what you're saying there has to be a message about the gore there has to be a message about the violence there has to be a message about what what are we seeing and how we're engaging with it this has it this it has nothing of that on its mind and that's why it's so hollow it's just such a hollow experience for me um and it, it can it can be perfectly enjoyable like it, I I think in the same way for some people that champions is like lighthearted and sweet and you can get something out of that just that 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 you can just pass the time with in a pleasant sort of way scream six is on on the opposite end of the spectrum to just deliver the idea of, of of violence as catharsis or violence as humorous, uh, and that can only go so far. And it's taken me to so far, and I've kind of left that behind. And uh, so, I mean, I mean, thanks for letting me voice the opinion. No, we're good. That's and good. It's du- dueling reviews. Dueling, dueling reviews. Uh, dueling different reviews. different like kind it. of tactic, but uh, that's that's. But none of us saw whatever sixty five or whatever that we number didn't. So I've, we'll, I've had let's some, review that one now. Let's we, review, well, we, I didn't see it. We, well, we didn't see it, but uh, it looked uh, pretty bland, I have to say. But <laughs> well, so what are we? What are we going to watch? What's coming out? You oh yeah, that's we, we, we should probably figure that out week? because what are we do next week. Let's let's go tease. I think is is, is it Shazam? Is it Shazam next week? 
is is that what's coming? It's funny. Out this I, actually, I actually watched that's uh, along with the um the the um J Lo movie. I watched the first Shazam movie up in Wisconsin. I like the first Shazam movie. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, that, exactly. Oh, wow. That's the only expectation. I I think I'm going to be disappointed with the second one, but it is. It's Shazam comes yeah. out. I'm trying to think if there's any other things we could watch. <laughs> I'm like, what is this moving on? Oh, I actually might rather watch moving on if you're up for it. It's the Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin movie. I'm sure you saw a trailer for it doing 80 for Brady where the, their, their girl, one of their friends dies and they're going after Terrence stamp. Uh, uh, they're going to kill him. Like, she's like, I'm going to kill you. And so it's like a vengeance movie, but old people, Oh, we, I like that. I, I can see that. Oh, hour 25. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. Hour 25. A tight hour 25. 100%. Yeah, R- Richard Roundtree. Shaft is in it. Uh, oh, Catherine, Catherine Dent. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'd am i rather watch this. Oh, no, it's Malcolm what? McDowell. It's not Terrence Stamp. Sorry, I got my British, old British people mixed up. Yeah, it's it's not... Malcolm McDowell, who I love just as much. Uh, so... I may go see Shazam anyways. Though. Maybe maybe we'll do a double. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll do, do a double. Who, know, who uh, knows? I, I'm leaning more towards moving on, but, but, but granted, I will admit, I will be seeing Shazam, so we could probably talk about both. <laughs> you know, but we'll, uh, we'll play it by ear. We'll All right. Play it by ear. Sounds good. Um, well, that'll be okay. next week. Have a good time in where you are. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's the balance of like social life and work is harder when you are visiting people. And the the aim is to be social. And then at night I work. Uh, but it it the balancing act is a little difficult. Yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. Well, whatever. I I hope um, I hope that you uh, I hope that you have some fun. I did make a, a banana pudding today for someone's birthday. So oh, look uh, at you. Look at you. See, you're so cute. Solana's right. You're very cute. Um, Tell Thank you. I'm looking at the box office mojo, right? And there's this there's this release schedule on the side. And if you look at March 24th, the first movie on March 24th of box office mojo is called Unknown Title. Unknown Title. I don't have that on my thing. It's it's purely from Universal. Unknown Title. Amazing. Uh, I'm just on the homepage. I'm just on the homepage. I mean, we we got we got John Wick the following week, which uh, I love. I I love that franchise. I I don't know. It's a sequel again. uh, You orient it. I mean, but that again for the same reason I criticize like Scream Six. If that's your thing, it serves it up. John Wick's my thing. Like I want that, and it serves it up fine. It can. It's empty. I know that it's empty. It's an experience. That's what I want. Well, we will. uh, We will. I'm certain review that, but Absolutely. okay. You have fun out there. Thanks. You keep being cute, buddy. I will. And uh, we will, uh, I will see you soon. See you soon. Uh, thank you, Ben. Um, yeah, we're done. Okay. Bye. <laughs>